Alright third grade parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids and your host this month. Today we're going to tackle a variety of reading-related issues, including supporting your child's reading comprehension, motivating your child to read independently, and keeping your child well supplied with books, including nonfiction. We're going to spend the majority of our time on this last topic, exploring how you can arrange things so that your child is more likely to learn about important topics, such as American history, through pleasure reading. If all is going well at this point in third grade, your child has started the transition from learning to read to reading to learn with content design for students in third grade or beyond. Your child is reading chapter books independently, decoding words they don't know, and sometimes able to figure out the meaning of unfamiliar words by looking at roots, prefixes, and suffixes. During third grade, teachers often help students improve their reading comprehension skills with a variety of techniques. It's a good idea for you to use these techniques too in informal ways. Let me introduce four of them. First, help your child do what teachers call activating background knowledge. Before they start a new book, look at the cover together and ask your child what they think the book is going to be about. If it's a nonfiction book, ask them what they already know about the topic and what they'd like to learn. Second, ask your child to make predictions. For example, ask your child what they think a particular character is going to do about their situation. What makes them think so? You can also help your child understand that they can bring their own experience to the table when they're trying to figure out what might happen next or what an author is trying to say. Third, ask your child to summarize. If your child is reading a book independently, you can ask them to tell you what the book is about, asking questions that draw out more detail. At the end of a read aloud session, you might say to your child something like, okay, we're gonna to need to remember what happened in that chapter. Can you summarize for us? Encourage your child to use their own words when they summarize. Finally, encourage visual imagery. After reading a descriptive passage, pause and ask your child to close their eyes and share their thoughts about what a character might be wearing, what kind of expression they might have on their face, and what it looks like where they are standing. Visual imagery is a powerful tool for reading comprehension. Broadly speaking, teachers recommend conversation with children to help them think about what they're reading. Ask them questions like, did what we just read make sense? Why did the character say that? Why did the author use that word? Questions like these help your child focus their attention more carefully on the ideas that are being communicated in text rather than only on the specific words. Let's turn our attention to reading motivation and how you can help in this regard. Third grade parents, you are already likely very aware that independent reading benefits your child. It helps them do better in school, fosters social and emotional growth, and provides a foundation for lifelong learning. Knowing this, you might naturally conclude, my kid has got to be a reader. Since reading is so important, I have to ensure that my child reads. So you probably tell your child that reading is important, and perhaps you require your child to read, or perhaps you offer incentives. You can play with the iPad after you read for 30 minutes. What happens next is well described by Pamela Paul and Maria Russo, editors at the New York Times Book Review and authors of the book, How to Raise a Reader. Children get the sense that reading is an obligation, 
something they need to do because it's good for them, and something they have to do in order to stay in the good graces of their parents. As Paul and Rousseau describe, they come to view reading as more like spinach than chocolate cake. Don't fall into this trap. If your child is going to read for pleasure throughout their school years, it's essential that they view reading as more like chocolate cake than spinach. You play a key role in determining whether this happens. What you don't do matters as much as what you do. Don't talk about reading as a chore that has to be done before your child can do fun things. Don't offer a reward for reading. Do invite your child to join you in the pleasure of reading by, for example, suggesting that you and your child snuggle up on the couch and a bowl of popcorn to read. Do treat reading as its own reward. Say things like, let's pick out which books we want to bring on the trip to grandma's this weekend. Or, I discovered an awesome used bookstore last weekend. Let's go there and I'll let you pick out two new books. This principle has implications for your role as book supplier. If they're going to experience reading more like chocolate cake than spinach, they need to take the lead to choose what they're going to read, and you should never criticize their choices, even when they want to read what you consider to be a terrible book. At the same time, you're still the main supplier of books for your child. You still take them to the library or a bookstore, or arrange to swap books with another family. As Paul and Rousseau write, the trick is to do all of this with an attitude that is on the one hand enthusiastic, and on the other hand absolutely nonchalant. To encourage the kinds of books you hope they'll read, casually leave them around the house, perhaps a bit out of the way. As Paul and Rousseau explain, they will be found, and when they are, they will be opened by your child and not by you. For many children, it's an important distinction. Being the book supplier in your child's life is a powerful role, and I want to spend the rest of our time together today talking about how you can leverage it to seed your child's desire and capacity for learning for the rest of their life. Now, as your child is making the transition from learning to read to reading to learn, you've got a unique opportunity to establish an important cultural norm in your child's life. By carefully using your power as book supplier, as well as read aloud partner, you can help your child discover new interests and then show them that reading is a pleasurable and gratifying way to independently grow their knowledge about their areas of interest. To put it another way, with a little effort, you can help open up an important third channel of learning for your child. They've been learning through conversation and activities with you and other adults all their life. That's the first channel. They've also been learning from school. That's the second channel. Now they have the opportunity to learn through independent reading. For some children, the independent reading channel turns out to be the most powerful of all. I'm going to suggest a two-part formula for accomplishing this, this month's Raise Ready Kids strategy, Reading to Learn. First, use stories to introduce your child to a wide range of people, places, and themes that may interest them. Second, when your child shows interest in something, follow up by arranging for books related to that topic to magically appear in your home. We're going to use American history as an example today, because children growing up in the United States need to know about it. A broad base of knowledge of American history is what the scholar E.D. Hearst Jr. calls core knowledge, information that is particularly valuable because it helps us understand and interpret the world around us. However, the two-part approach I'm suggesting will work to build foundational knowledge and spark interest across a wide variety of domains.
One approach to storytelling is to use the series of books called What Your First, Second, Third Greater Needs to Know, edited by Edie Hirsch himself. This series is filled with accessible stories that introduce young readers to important topics, including American history. In the third grade edition, the American history section focuses on Native Americans and the English colonies. In this series of books, Hirsch and his colleagues attempt to map out the most important things that children need to learn in order to understand the culture in which they live. Fortunately, Hirsch understands the power of stories to draw children into subjects like history, science, and art. The stories in these books may not be brilliant. Rather, their virtue is that they orient young Americans to the most important people and ideas they need to know to make sense of what they read and to understand their own culture. For example, what your third grader needs to know draws young readers into the history of Native Americans in the eastern United States, with this story called A Day with Little Thunder. When the Pogroms and other early English colonists landed on the east coast of North America, they met Native Americans of different tribes who all spoke the language called Algonquin. Let's imagine what it was like to be an Algonquin child in the time when the first Europeans were settling in North America. We're going to spend a day with a ten-year-old boy named Little Thunder. As the morning sun rises, Little Thunder wakes up on a cozy, warm bearskin. He walks outside to see his father smearing a reddish paste on his body. Little Thunder knows that his father has mixed mud with bear fat to make it. He watches his father cover his arms, chest, face, and legs. The paste will help keep away mosquitoes while they hunt. Little Thunder sees his mother cooking breakfast over a fire. How good the food smells. Today he will eat a stew of maize and deer meat, which his father and uncle brought home two days ago. As he eats his stew, Little Thunder admires the way his father's hair is shaved. Only a stripe of shiny black grows from the middle of his forehead to the back of his neck. When Little Thunder turns 16, he will wear his hair as the men do. He will also get a tattoo on his arm, just like his father, using porcupine needles and berry juice. It will hurt, but he will not let the pain show. He will probably wear the sign of the wolf, showing he is a man and a member of the wolf clan. The story goes on to describe the work of each family member. Little Thunder's father will hunt with the other men. His mother and sisters will plan and gather fresh roots. Little Thunder himself will spend the morning outside the tall wooden fence that surrounds the village, checking his traps to see if he has caught any squirrels or rabbits. This story, and many others in What Your Third Grader Needs to Know, does a good job of introducing readers of any age to major themes of American history, including native cultures, European exploration, early North American settlements, and the English colonies. Some of the stories introduce more complex themes, like religious freedom, in an age-appropriate way. For example, after describing the early settlement of Massachusetts by the Puritans, Hirsch and his colleagues tell the story of Roger Williams and the founding of Rhode Island. Here, I'm going to quote at length from what your third grader needs to know, because I want you to get a sense of the value of this kind of knowledge, as well as what Hirsch believes third graders are capable of. Hirsch writes, The Puritans thought they were following the truth, and that there could only be one truth. This belief ended up causing conflicts with people who had different beliefs. One such person was Roger Williams, a Puritan minister. Williams had come to Massachusetts Bay in 1631, just a year after John Winthrop arrived with a large group of settlers. 
Williams was a thoughtful man, but in Massachusetts Bay, his thoughts got him into trouble. For one thing, Roger Williams said that the King of England had no right to grant the settlers of Massachusetts Bay a charter, because the land belonged to the Native Americans. Williams also said that the government had no right to decide the religion of its subjects, and that individuals should be free to decide their own religious beliefs. These bold ideas worried Winthrop, the governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony. First, the Puritans warned Williams that he needed to change his beliefs. But when he didn't, they banished him from the Massachusetts Bay. The Puritan leaders planned to send Williams back to England. However, Williams slipped out of Boston and traveled south, even though he was old and sick. He found shelter with the Narragansett tribe, who helped him make it through the winter. Williams bought some of the land around the beautiful Narragansett Bay from the local tribe. He called the land Providence, which is another word for God. Providence became the capital of Rhode Island. Williams was determined to start a colony based on the idea that government should not tell the people how to worship. He believed in the separation of church and state, which became one of the most important ideas upon which the United States was founded. Separation of church and state refers to the separation of religion and government. It means that governments should not tell people what to believe. Williams also practiced religious toleration, accepting people of all religions, even atheists, who don't believe in God. While the Puritans and pilgrims were rejecting other religious followers, including Quakers, Jews, and Catholics, Roger Williams welcomed them in Rhode Island. Ah, there's so much good stuff packed into this passage. Hirsch and his colleagues clearly respect young children's capabilities. This passage introduces some challenging concepts for third graders, including personal conscience, separation of church and state, and religious toleration. And it does so with a story that's pretty interesting. A man is banished from his community and starts a new society. You don't have to buy this book, of course, and if you do, please don't worry that your third grader needs to know everything in it. They don't. At the same time, I do recommend that you use your power as a read-aloud partner to expose your child to foundational knowledge about American and world history. When it comes to American history, read stories about topics like Native Americans, European explorers, the colonies, the Revolutionary War, slavery, westward expansion, the Civil War, industrialization, the World Wars, or the Civil Rights Movement. Get a globe and put maps on the wall and talk about where different events happened. After you've introduced your child to some stories, see what strikes their interest and buy or borrow some books about that particular topic, ideally ones your child could read on their own. Are they interested in the Revolutionary War? Try I Survived the American Revolution by Lauren Tarshish, or if your child is into graphic novels, try One Dead Spy, a graphic novel about Nathan Hale, part of Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales American History series. Are they fascinated by the Civil War? Find a book like What Was the Battle of Gettysburg, part of a series of more than 50 What Was and What Is children's books that explore historical and contemporary events. Are they interested in the Civil Rights Movement? Look for a book like Bell, The Last Mule at G's Bend, which features an older black woman telling a young black boy about the fight for civil rights in the South. Let's recap where we've come today. Third grade is a great year to promote reading comprehension, with techniques like summarizing and encouraging visual imagery. Also, 
As your child is transitioning from learning to read to reading to learn, it's a good time to pay attention to your role as book supplier. While your child needs to be in the driver's seat when it comes to what they're reading, you can use your position as read aloud partner to expose your child to stories that build their knowledge of history and other important topics. When your child expresses interest in something, you can supply them with books that answer their questions and fuel their curiosity. Your ultimate goal is to raise a reader, a child who wants to read in part because they know that books will help them answer important questions they have. When you get this reading for knowledge seeking flywheel going, you've done something priceless for your child. You've shown them that reading is a pleasurable way to satisfy their curiosity. Armed with this mindset and a good supply of books, they'll be able to go anywhere their interests take them. <laughs>